Geico presents, oh, uh, not again, another voicemail from your roommate. Hey, man, so I was in a rush to get to work and I left the back door open. Could you shut it? I left it wide open. Uh, while you're there, could you also turn off the oven and all of the burners? <laughs> My mom never let me use the oven. I wonder why. <laughs> The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if it's your roommate's first time operating an oven. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Contour from Cox has all your favorites, all in one place. And with the Contour Remote, you can use your voice to find them on live TV, on demand, and streaming apps like Netflix, Prime Video, and more. See Cox.com for details. Hey, we got a new super cool party people only giveaway (laughs) for you. It's only for party people. (laughs) If you are not a party person, you just don't listen. Get out. (laughs) Yeah. A fun March giveaway for you all because we just like to give stuff away. It's just like a fun little way to spice things up. It is. And March is just like a cool month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ides of March and uh, I don't know. I don't know why my brain went there. I don't either. That was unique. (laughs) Yeah. St. Patrick's Day is probably a more festive. (laughs) Um, So for our March giveaway, we've got some cool stuff. We have a Art History Babes t-shirt in black. We classic. Ha- classic classic black classic black uh we have a really cool book about some it it's uh drawings by some venetian masters Tiepolo. yeah jenny on the italian over there mm-hmm. and then we've also got a rauschenberg inspired mug some white sage for mm. For witchy vibes, also just general good smells. Yeah. White sage, cone incense, not actual white sage. Yes, yeah, incense, incense vibes. And we got a Norman Rockwell puzzle. So really a, a wide array of, <laughs> of art-related goods. Feast. Yeah, definitely. For you. Definitely. It's a fun giveaway, I think. And to be entered to win, all you have to do is head over to our Patreon patreon.com slash art history babes and become a patron and help support the production of this podcast and other art history babes content every dollar that you pledge to the art history babes is an entry so one dollar a month that's one entry five dollars a month that's five entries and if you're wondering yourself hey i'm already a patron I'm screwed. I can't be a part of this super cool party people You're giveaway. Not You're not. All you got to do is up your pledge. If you up your pledge by a couple dollars, then you get a couple entries. So everyone has a chance to enter yes. however many times you would like. This is for the duration of March. So from March 1st to March 31st. Mm, that <laughs> feels right. Yeah, there's 30, 31 days of March. Um, sure. If you get on our Patreon from the 1st through the 31st, your entries will be counted. And mm-hmm. then at the beginning of April, we will pull a name out of a hat. It's going to be a good time. It is. From Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny. And I'm Jen. 
And we are the Art History Babes. And we're all back together. We're all together. This oh. is crazy. It's been a while. It has been it's a while. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> I can't escape. I can't escape that song. I don't know why. Like, we were just having a conversation about how that song just keeps coming up. Just permeates into my consciousness. Oh, stained. Stained, <laughs> stained will never die. Oh, my God. <laughs> ah. <a> disturbing sentence. <laughs> Oh man, we're having the nicest time right now. Our, we're having our a little winter extravaganza. It's our little um, <laughs> it's our holiday party. This is like our holiday it's party snowing today. Outside. Yeah, it's uh, a nice seventy <laughs> degrees in Sacramento, <laughs> California. Um, yeah, I was like sweating when we were outside. Me too. I'm I'm a little bit Especially, sweaty I right mean, now. We were climbing. We climbed a log. You yeah. climbed a rock. We got on a tree. We climbed a tree. Yeah. We climbed hard. a hill. Extreme. We that was extreme. <laughs> um, <laughs> extreme sports with the art history days. Hardcore <laughs> yeah, <quick> parkour. <laughs> parkour. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we're just posted up at Natalie's beautiful home and we're by the fire and there's a Christmas tree and there's a bag full of Meyer lemons for all of us to take home yes. and I'm very excited <laughs> about that I'm putting lemons in everything oh, everything yeah. lemons there's lemons, a never-ending supply drinks lemon chicken lemon lemon Lemon. Pasta. I actually have a really <laughs> good chicken recipe that involves lemon that I can Ooh, send to you guys. Yeah. Full chicken. Guys, I made a full chicken twice. Word. And I Bravo. Some of it. Wow, very nice. That's not for the faint of heart. I've done that yeah, before. I almost gnarly. burned my house yeah. down. It was an extreme. Ooh. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so Did you have to pull out its innards? Um, One of them, it came with a liver. Oh. Um, the yeah. other one came with nothing. Mm. Cool. Liver was a little gross. Caught yeah. me off guard. Yeah, yeah. liver is um, not delicious. That one also had a neck still, which grossed mm-hmm. me out mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Oh. So if you like moved it right, its little neck would go up and down. Oh. Yeah, not pleasant at all. No, thank you. Wow. Yeah, my mom likes to buy the chickens with all the guts in them, and she makes like a souffle for the dogs, and they lose <laughs> their <laughs> minds. <laughs> she, you know, because. No, dogs love that shit. it's true you know my mom yeah. is from mexico and in mexico you it's rare that you feed your dog dog food dogs just get whatever shit you don't eat and um they they live forever yeah like they're yeah. healthy down there yeah. don't feed your dogs dog food you guys it's not good for them they're eating real food they're eating feed wheat some chicken liver dogs shouldn't be eating wheat that's crazy like that's come on. true it's insane <laughs> anyway corn, so much corn and dog food yeah true. so much corn and human food corn is everywhere that's man true. i mean I made if it was if it was uh, <laughs> yeah, I we, might are be too. All, we are all fairly made Matthew of corn. and I eat a lot of popcorn guys <laughs> like, if it was lot. um made yeah. of like m- maize like our um <laughs> a maize <laughs> that is supposed to be pretty good for you like original corn is supposed to be pretty good for you yeah this is like the this is the GMO yeah GMO yeah. stuff garbage corn. <laughs> garbage. I do miss corn on the cob though corn on the cob is like such an like midwest iowa thing mm. obviously because we're just surrounded by corn all yeah, the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um so like corn on the cob is like a big deal um, i could i could go for some cob some cob yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you um <laughs> seen that episode of rick and morty where they land on the cob planet no <laughs> <laughs> what they go to a planet where everything is on a cob and they like <laughs> <laughs> I do not recall this episode and I thought so I've seen funny. every episode. And then they like lose their minds like when they realize as though it's like this really bad thing. They're like, Everything's on a cob. Go, go, go. <laughs> they like have to get out of there. It's That's ridiculous. Pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good. It's pretty good. 
Ah, uh, you know what else is pretty good? We're um, <laughs> drinking this really delicious, like holiday Jack Daniels, which I never thought I would say delicious and Jack Daniels in the same right. sentence. <laughs> um, so that's cool. We're getting um, a little bit saucy because we're getting ready to talk about a pretty uh, exciting episode, an episode oh. we've been wanting to do for a long time. Like we've since mentioned it. God, since Before. we started the podcast, we've oh, been yeah. like, yeah. we want to do this episode. I think it was like one of our first ideas. It yeah. was. I know. I was like, well, how did it take so long to get here? But we were just know. reserving our strength. And yeah, I think it was one of them that we knew it was going to be like so good that we didn't want to rush it. Like we yeah. wanted it to be at the right time yeah. when we could be in it. And, yeah. and here we are by the fire mm-hmm. and, right. mm-hmm. and we're having this lovely gathering. And I think, mm. I think it's time to lay in to Paul Gauguin. Yeah. So. It's time. We're, we're, we're maturing as uh, recording artists. <laughs> <laughs> and we're ready to... Ready to take this on. Yeah. Especially, you know, given all of these, like, sexual assault and harassment oh, things yeah. that it's have really been surfacing in the news as far as victims it's very coming timely. forward. It's time. It, it's to definitely time. Yeah. I'm fucking reveal... <laughs> I think that Paul we Gauguin <laughs> was a pervy pedophile. <laughs> oh, that he Lord. Was. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I think we posted something on our Facebook a while back about, you know, what do we do with the art of reprehensible men? Yeah. And it was um, an article that focused a lot on um, Woody Allen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is one that I do struggle mm-hmm. with yeah. because like. I that's why I really liked that article because I like Woody Allen movies yeah and I can't like Woody Allen movies <laughs> like he's a piece of garbage that's like, how I feel when I listen to R. Kelly I'm like oh I love the song oh no 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 no, 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 no. it's we like you got, dang it no more R. Kelly I Sorry. can't I don't listen to him anymore I know yeah. I I mean I spent my teen oh. years singing remix to ignition too Dude, feeling on yo booty was my party <laughs> song I know I know <laughs> you know <laughs> like, I've heard you sing it you know, can't enjoy classic episodes of the Today Show. Oh, <laughs> so pissed about that. Oh, uh, Matt, Matt. Uh, he was like kind of gross. one of America's like sweethearts, kind of. Yeah. Like, like yeah, he was I, well, mm. he was well loved. He was. You, know? you yeah. kind of knew he was an asshole, but you didn't think he was a pervert. Yeah, because he yeah. would make those little comments that, like, did you guys see the the video of him? Um, interviewing Anne Hathaway resurfaced no Miz came out that's like all over since this has happened and it's basically like a paparazzi uh, guy took a picture of her getting out of a car like basically up her dress like Ooh. just an up shot no and it like instead of deleting it he sold it and of course he just did. scummy and she comes on the Today Show. The first thing that Matt Lauer says to her is like, "We've been seeing a lot of you lately, oh like something Lord. like that." And he was like, "What did you like? What did you learn from that situation or something like what? trying to oh like, my god? Yeah, and you can tell she's just like trying to stay composed, but like you fucking did. I haven't That's, seen the picture. Is it? Is I she, haven't either. I don't even remember. Is she it happening. exposed? It, I, it doesn't matter. What yeah, the it was just like. the attitude. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah but that's a that's a very that's gross. And at the time, yeah, you could be like, oh, he was just kind of being an asshole or just like no, sounded like yeah. a jerk. And now you're like, oh no, he just thinks women are sexual objects. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, regardless, what's kind of 
fun about all this. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. What's fun about all this is we are going back and we are looking at all of these things, even from the past 10 years that we just brushed off because it's yeah. mm-hmm. what it's like to be a woman. Right. And finally, because everyone's standing up, we're like, no, like this no. isn't OK. This and will not stand. Exactly. This aggression yeah. will not stand. And, and we're ready yeah, to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's that it. whole stupid thing like, boys will be boys. No. Nope. No, they won't. No. Nope. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just no. Yeah, boys. Boys will be decent human beings. Yeah, Let's boys, go with that boys for a while. Will, will be, try will that be one humans. Out. Like, they will be held to the same standards as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Actually, the most recent episode of SNL, they did this funny thing with all the females, like all the yes. all the girls the on like the show. Song. Yeah, yes. they did the song, and it's like them as like they're all dolled up like this like pop group, yeah. like girl pop group. Yeah, and but it's um, talking about basically how how because now men feel like everything's falling apart for them and it's basically how like this has always been what it's been like to be a woman and the like tagline is welcome to hell (laughs) and it's like in this like poppy happy (laughs) voice it's like really it's good it's really good because it just points out like all those things about being a woman in like a predatory society that we think about every day, every yeah. minute of mm-hmm. the day that men, it never crosses their mind. It, yeah. It's like, yeah, uh. that is real. And I think that that is something that women have been told for their whole lives that you can just expect, mm-hmm. just expect to be sexually harassed and scared around groups of men. And um, that's bullshit. And so I oh, think put a stop to it. It's our responsibility now as art historians to tackle this problem of what do we do with the art of horrible men mm-hmm. and so we're gonna start today with a, with, with a big one. <laughs> oh lord uh we're gonna start with paul Gauguin, and god damn it i hate him i hate him so much god <laughs> so oh, so jenny you wanna you wanna take it away yeah, let's talk about the origins of this piece of shit a little bit. <laughs> so In the beginning. <laughs> Gauguin was born in 1848. His grandmother was actually Peruvian, and he later oh. touted that part of his ancestry as a way to make himself appear to be an exotic artistic figure. Mm. Um, he did live part of his young life on his uncle's like grand estate in Lima. Um, but his family moved back to France later. And, um, you know, he had a f- relatively privileged upbringing. He was exposed to art at a fairly young age and, you know, was taking painting lessons and meeting artists, but did become a stockbroker. And so he married a Danish woman and she bore him five children. He met the artist um, Pissarro in 1874 and was really like artistically smitten with him and learned a lot from him. And he later like pays homage to Pissarro and his work. So out of the Impressionist painters, Gauguin really dug Paul Cezanne and bought several of his paintings. He was actually one of like the first major like collectors of Cezanne. So he becomes like part of this kind of like French impressionist circle. He's not initially super active with them. Like he learns from them. They seem to enjoy his company, I guess. He's um, buying their art. He's buying so. their shit. You know, he's probably stroking their egos like, oh, like, wow, you're so smart. And <laughs> um, but he's still going to the bank and working mm-hmm. there. He did exhibit a landscape at the salon in 1876, and he participated in group exhibitions. Up until, like, 1878, his color palette was really a lot more subdued than 
what you normally would associate with a lot of Gauguin paintings where they're very brightly colored and there's like these big swatches of bright colors, whereas originally they were kind of more like grayscale and earth tone. He was, you know, doing pretty good. So he's getting more involved with the Impressionists. He's showing a bit of his stuff. He's hanging out with artists. But then the stock market crashed and he lost his job. And um, he moved to Copenhagen with his wife to live with his in-laws. But the Danes really weren't into Impressionism at this time. They just were like, "Mm, no, maybe in France, but not here. Mm -hmm. And so he ditched his wife, (laughs) just left her high and dry, and came back to Paris in 1885. Uh, Then he moved to Brittany for a while for a less stressful life. Um, He was pretty productive there and fine-tuned his uh, skills and developed more complex compositions. And he was practicing plein air painting. So going outside, painting out in in the nature and all of that. He went to Martinique and got a taste for the tropics, uh, which, you know, is a theme that we'll see later (laughs) with him. And then he uh, kind of had this break with Impressionism when he painted Vision After the Sermon. And he was really influenced by another artist named Emile Bernard. And Bernard painted Breton women in the meadow. And essentially, like, this technique involved, like, covering the picture plane with, like, huge swatches of, like, bright color and then building from that. So, like, you would outline and then add color so it kind of makes this almost like patchwork really bright composition and Pissarro was pissed when um, (laughs) Gauguin did this painting and wrote in a letter I criticize him for not applying his synthesis to our modern philosophy which is absolutely social (laughs) anti-authoritarian and anti-mystical because this painting was somewhat mystical so he's kind of out in the shits from his old impressionist buddies. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's going along and he's still painting. He, I, I doubt he was very concerned by this because he's a narcissist. <laughs> um, and like so many male artists, he got really into painting naked women. And I mean, pr- obviously. <laughs> Word. And in particular, young naked women. There's a painting called Loss of Virginity, oh, which um, depicts wow. a barely pubescent young girl yeah. Um, lying naked on the ground. She clutches a fox, which Gauguin claimed was an Indian symbol for perversity. And so it's interesting because from here, there's really more of a development into this emphasis on the primitive and mystical um, kind of symbolism and obviously um, depicting young naked women. And so that's just a kind of brief overview of Gauguin. You can see some of his asshole tendencies, but I promise there's more. So we'll get into those. <laughs> it gets dark, you guys. It gets real it's dark. real dark. <laughs> yeah. I, is it like a commonly known thing that Van Gogh and Gauguin were friends? I think like that I know it is. it is in our art history community. Yeah, is I, it? I, think, I think so. But I don't feel like his name gets dragged into the incident as much as it should. <laughs> I totally agree. I, yeah. think, I mean, I think it's known for people who are like big Van Gogh fans or like if you've studied art history it's a little more known but I I agree it's not something you hear about a lot yeah they were very very close for a period of time there's even speculation among like certain art historians that there was like a homosexual relationship there um mostly Van Gogh was like 
very enamored with mm-hmm, Gauguin. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we went to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, remember they had a bunch of his letters? Mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, first of all, Van Gogh wrote the most emotionally touching letters to his friends. Like he, he just loved his friends. Yeah. And his letters to Gauguin were so just intimate and he just loved his friends so much that you're like why why do you like this douche no yeah it's like it's like that case of just like the sweetest people getting taken advantage oh. of by like yeah by toxic people you know yeah, yeah let's get into that yeah. i got some <laughs> got some dirt about this so most of this takes place around like arles france and then yeah uh, we'll talk about arles let's talk about arles mm-hmm <laughs> So in starting in 1988, Van Gogh moved to Arles and had this dream of starting an artist colony. And he really wanted Gauguin to join in and be a part of it because he's his buddy and he loves him. So he wrote him lots of letters trying to convince him, basically pleading for Gauguin to come and stay with him. And finally, um, Gauguin agrees. And this is after funding for the transportation and expenses included in living here will be covered by uh, Theo, right. by Van Gogh's brother. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. once he doesn't have to pay, he begrudgingly agrees to come. He only stayed for two months, which we'll get into at the end why exactly that happened. But it was a little bit tumultuous of a time. They did, made some interesting art while living together. This was the time period where they're very heavily influenced by Japanese prints. And mm-hmm. uh, Van Gogh owned a lot of prints and had kind of decorated the Yellow House really cute and hung a lot of these prints and other similar art for inspiration around the Yellow House in anticipation for Gauguin coming. He comes That's in. So sweet. I know, guys, <laughs> it gets worse. So he comes in late October and they begin their little two man artist colony. And it didn't take long for things to start to sour. Gauguin wrote to Bernard, who mm-hmm. Ginny had mentioned, and he said, In general, Vincent and I see eye to eye on very little, especially on painting. So their fundamental techniques on painting were quite different. Van Gogh focused a lot more on reality so he wanted to paint things that he saw and just paint them through his eye whereas Gauguin was kind of painting more from like memory and imagination so his are a little Mm -hmm. more abstract so kind of just a fundamental difference of opinion in how you should paint Mm -hmm. um and you can see that in these portraits that they painted of one another so The one by Van Gogh is of Gauguin from behind, and he's actually visibly painting. You know, the reality there is that when someone's painting, you can't really see their face. (laughs) And it was done on a piece of burlap that Gauguin found and brought for them to paint on. So it's really thick, interesting paint. And he looks into it. Like, you can't see the painting or anything he's doing. It's really just like a side profile. And then Van Gogh, or the painting that Gauguin did of Van Gogh is called The Painter of Sunflowers. It's believed to be an imaginary scene that, that, you know, something Mm -hmm. in theory like this would have happened, but it's not painted from life. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Van Gogh was actually pretty upset when he first saw the painting that Gauguin did of him. He said that he looked like a madman. (laughs) (laughs) He does kind of look, yeah, his face is rough. Yeah. So he took some offense to that. He softened to it later and kind of got over it and they settled that. Let's move on to where the story gets good. Yeah. Oh, man. I know. They had very heated arguments, these two, over over painting a lot of the time. Yeah. It was really about 
painting and yeah. I cannot fathom getting to the point that these two got in their fights about their artistic vision yeah, yeah. Um, you think at some point you'd just be like okay like no you do you, do you. <laughs> fine this yeah. was like a war of egos i believe it really it did get there um passionate it got very passionate <laughs> so in addition to the portraits that they did of one another they did self-portraits as gifts for one another i love these so yeah they're great and bernard who jenny mentioned was also involved in this but i'm just going to talk about van gogh and Gauguin's. so Van Gogh painted himself as like an austere monk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really looks. It's like a really it. famous self-portrait yeah. of his. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like an alien. He kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had my students draw this in one of the classes, and they some oh, of the drawings were great. I remember seeing these. Yeah, <laughs> some of them were really really good. Um, he's very gaunt looking. So yeah, he's supposed to be a monk spreading the word of the new art, and that's what he's going for um, mm. in this painting. Whereas Gauguin's, <laughs> it's called self-portrait with portrait of Emile Bernard. So he paints Bernard into the photo. Subtitle, <laughs> Le Miserable. <laughs> so he's trying to portray himself as Jean, Val- Jean Valjean. Am I saying that right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Jean Valjean as a rebellious uh, protagonist. Shut up. Oh, yes. He is like- the worst. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. His yep. face, like, he made himself look so, like, debonair. Like, totally. oh, I'm... I have Jean Valjean. I'm yeah. the shit. <laughs> like, this skeptical kind of, like, outlaw look with the big mustache. And it's just yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah. But winter approaches in Arles, and they were kind of trapped in the house as it got colder so they had to spend more time around each other which is kind of believed to have built the tension up and their aesthetic debates were getting intense and it culminated in a fight where Gauguin began saying that he was going to leave and head back to Paris and Van Gogh got really distraught about this and this is where the story gets kind of interesting because the traditional story has been that Van Gogh got so upset that he cut off his own ear and then Gauguin fled in horror and <laughs> then Van Gogh, what, brought the ear to a prostitute at a brothel? Right. Yeah, and yeah so that was the painted. traditional story for a while. <laughs> um, and now there are these German art historians who are saying that that is false and that Gauguin chopped off part of Van Gogh's ear with a sword. And then they had a pact of silence never to speak of yeah. it because Van Gogh didn't want to tarnish Gauguin's name and wanted to protect him. Because um, he loved his no friend. Idea. He loved his friend. Because the he, ear thing yeah, with Van Gogh, like anyone who doesn't know f- like anything about art history or Van Gogh, they know about the ear and it's like, oh, he was crazy. And he yeah. chopped it off. Yeah. And, and it's like, it might not have even been him. Yeah. And like, I could see Gauguin just like whipping a sword, whipping out a sword out in a fight. <laughs> they were probably fighting about like color or some shit, and <laughs> he just pulled out a sword. And yep. yeah, these I, two. I can picture it so vividly. Who knows? You know, right? Who's to, who's say? to say? I do though. But I want to read the book because it's called Van Gogh's yeah. Ear: Paul Gauguin and the Pact of Silence. So I want to read that too. I want to see really if it's some compelling evidence. I think it's worth a read. Yeah. 
Um, if any of you guys at home have read it and want to write into oh, yeah, us about let it, us know. Yeah, yeah, there's another book called The Yellow House, Van Gogh, Gauguin, and the Nine Turbulent Weeks and Arles. Be a great movie. Oh my god, it'd be Martin, such a good movie. Martin Gayford, art critic of Bloomberg Europe. Modern fertility. Dang, I really wish I could sing because I wanted to follow that tune, but I cannot sing. I can't sing either, but I just, I like making little jingles. How about it, Nat? I mean, you probably thought about your next step in your career relationship, but what about planning for a baby or a metaphorical baby? Or or planning for not a baby. All of those totally reasonable <laughs> options. Exactly. As a woman, we kind of have to make a decision to either have or not have babies. And Modern Fertility is here to help with that decision making. Modern Fertility is a quick and easy hormone test you can take at home. So if you're thinking about trying for a baby or you want to know maybe what your options are for the future or or if you just want to know more information about kind of how all that works and your hormone levels and just, you know, generally be informed about your reproductive health, which is a great thing to be informed of, Modern Fertility is here to help. So I was able to take it and got my results back within like eight days pretty quick. It took me to the website where they had all my information, and I'm happy to say that nothing came back alarming. It was really easy to understand, and they use very simple language, but they also have options where you can read into the different hormones more closely. So if you do have something that maybe is slightly out of whack, you can read more about it and figure out you know, how to raise or lower or what that might mean for your day-to-day life it's really interesting or your fertility I guess I was kind of just looking at it for my day-to-day but um, speaking from experience like yeah I definitely feel a little more empowered just knowing that all of my hormones are working and doing what they're supposed to do yeah that is definitely good news also It is very affordable compared to similar testing. Um, Oftentimes that kind of testing can cost over $1,000. But with Modern Fertility, you can get the exact same information for just $159. That's such a good price. Yeah. Plus, you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse once you get your results. So you can get answers to questions that you might have, specific questions that are related to your results. And that is really valuable. Yeah, so it's just great information to have, very affordable price, very easy to do, comfort of your own home, don't even have to go to the doctor's office. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering Art History Babes listeners $20 off their test when you go to modernfertility.com slash historybabes. That's $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash historybabes modernfertility.com slash history babes modern fertility so yeah this is a really really contested issue what happened i'm gonna just say that i believe that gogan had a sword and <laughs> lopped van gogh's ear off i just because i hate him so I just yeah. assume <laughs> that's what happened. I'm gonna I'm gonna put put out there that we are all taking a very biased stance. Yeah, on this. this is extremely biased. We're biased. You know yeah. what? It's our podcast, and this is our opinion. So 
Uh, I stand by it. <laughs> and that was on Christmas Eve. Uh, oh, the right. day before. The oh, day December twenty third. Day before Christmas, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Oh wow! What Christmas is Christmas like, Eve? Ah. Um, be nice to your friends. And if you have a friend who's an asshole, don't be friends with them anymore. Yeah, get out of there before they chop, chop your ear, ear off <laughs> and make everyone think you're crazy. Yeah, get out. <laughs> get Cautionary out. tale. Just don't get to that point, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, just don't hang out with toxic assholes like Gauguin. Just don't do it. You know, yeah. the thing that makes me so sad about this is because we all have this soft spot for Van Gogh. And I'm sure he wasn't a saint, but oh, no. he was good. He was a he was good. I think he was good. <laughs> I think he was I think good. I think he was generally good. I think he was good. And just from the letters alone, Van Gogh was so, so excited to have Gauguin come yeah. live with him in the yellow house. And the fact that it went so badly. And he ended up losing his ear. Breaks my heart, dude. Like, it really does. And he was never the same after that. Like, his health like mental and otherwise yeah. like really took a huge dip after this incident does anyone know i i think that they they had some more correspondence yeah after they did that was not the end of their okay. friendship so yeah it wasn't the end of their friendship one of van gogh's final recorded words to gogan were you are quiet i will be too dang oh <sighs> okay um i think that's a good place for us to take a quick break as podcasters, we understand the importance of quality sound. Studio headphones are stylish and sleek with proper sound quality. If you like on-ear headphones, you know the ones that make you look like a DJ, you'll love the Regent. With 24 plus hours of active battery life and 20 days of standby life, the Regent is the perfect companion to you at home or on the go. If you're looking for headphones to meet your more athletic lifestyle, check out the Tray with 9 plus hours of active battery life and 10 days of standby life. Made out of sweat-proof material and has custom wing tips that stay comfortably in your ear no matter how you're moving. These are only two of the many styles that Studio has to offer, so go to studio.com to check them out. Studio emphasizes the modern Scandinavian design while also providing a product that matches the quality of even the highest rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. And they provide free worldwide shipping. Use the discount code BABES to get 15% off any purchase. Go check them out. They're beautiful. Okay, we are back talking about Paul Gauguin when we last left our anti-hero. Nice. (laughs) Uh, He was hanging out with our boy Van Gogh Mm -hmm. and things likely chopped his ear off yeah basically we're just gonna say that's probably what (laughs) happened (laughs) as we discussed van gogh's health steady steadily declined and then he infamously committed suicide which i've there is some back and forth on that as well yeah i mean i don't know he shot himself in the stomach yeah why would you do that that's and that's intense uh I read something that was very sad, which was that when um, Van Gogh was in the hospital covering from having lopped his ear off slash having it lopped off, he called for Gauguin to come see him. He wanted to see him. And Gauguin wouldn't come. 
Oh. Why did he care so much about Gogan? Because I, I, really I think he was know. in love with him. Like I, why I, though? Gogan was a piece of trash. Why does <laughs> anyone fall in love with someone who's horrible? <laughs> I mean, true. let's just get that you know out there. It happens all the time. So I, oh shit. Um. So the the next um element of our story is honestly, I mean, you know, I I love my boy Van Gogh, and and I hate that Gauguin was mean to him, but this this, <laughs> this next element I Ugh. think is just the just the the cream of the shitty crop. Yeah. He just goes off the deep <laughs> end into Thank complete shit headering. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> he just yeah. goes like full force into complete being an asshole. Fuckery. Just embraces <laughs> it entirely. Uh we are talking about Gauguin's uh trip to Tahiti. So in eighteen ninety one he sets sail for Tahiti. And while he is there, he discovers what he claims to be this beautiful, romantic, erotic garden world. Garden of Eden, basically. Yeah. yeah just garden a primitive paradise. Yeah. Ugh. Just everything that's wrong with the civilized world doesn't exist there. Mm-hmm. It's just a perfect place. Of sexual debauchery, right? <laughs> right. This is it's like th- at the heart of primitivism. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. And Gauguin lives it to the fullest. Abandons <laughs> European culture and goes Ab- to live with the primitives. Abandons European family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like, abandons. Yeah, abandons. <laughs> yep. And yeah, and then goes. To live with the primitives, a word we've talked about before that's crazy problematic. Yes. And lives it up and and is is doing doing life, you know, the right way, the way everyone should be doing it, according <laughs> to Gauguin. Right. Um, <laughs> everyone should abandon their <sighs> their lives and um go marry young girls and yeah. Tahiti. Uh, <laughs> let's marry some 13 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially what happens is he goes down there. He gets all this artistic inspiration. A lot of the work you've seen by him mm. was from his trip to Tahiti. That's mm. some of his most famous paintings. He also, as a result of his trip, he wrote uh, the book Noah Noah, which is his account of his experience in Tahiti. And he also sleeps with a lot of Tahitian women, mm. many of them 13, 14 yep. years old. He, yep. m- he married three of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Still rape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you marry them, that doesn't like. Did he have three, three of them at the same time? I think there was some overlap. Okay. Because he left for a while. Right, right, right. And then comes back later. So, mm. yeah. Hopefully the first one got away by then. Ah. Yeah. So so these images that we see of naked Tahitian women, Tahitian women, you know, w- in nature or Tahitian women in a bed, like... Combing um, their hair sensually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are all supposedly... They're supposed to represent his experience yeah. there. Obviously, like like we said, he had a tendency to fib. He really <laughs> didn't like to paint. Fib. fib. He didn't like to paint <laughs> purely from reality. So, like, some of this is probably a mix of reality and fantasy. But it is representative of the life he was living in Tahiti. And that just, like, raises crazy amounts of questions yeah. about his work. Is it okay to like Gauguin's work? What do these paintings mean? I think is like yeah. the most important question. What mm-hmm, do these paintings definitely. mean? So um, 
in researching for this episode, the first thing I did was I just Googled Gauguin problematic. <laughs> problematic. And like a ton of stuff came up. And I literally just picked off like the first three or four. I was yeah. like, these are good. Um, and yeah. read the headlines. So the first one I read was an article by Amelia Hill for The Guardian mm-hmm. uh, called Gauguin's Erotic Tahiti Idol Exposed as a Sham. Um, That's a good title. I know, Gauguin. right? Yeah. <laughs> Gauguin, Sham. Yeah, I like it. I go like sham. It. Go sham. <laughs> <laughs> so this article opens, the opening line of the article, Paul Gauguin, renowned for his paintings of exi- exotic idols and Polynesian beauties, was a sadist who battered his wife, exploited his friends, and lied to the world about the erotic Eden he claimed to have discovered on the South Sea island of Tahiti. I believe it. Mike, drop. I love it. Just straight out the gate. It's just yep. like, oof. That is how you open an essay. I know, right? <laughs> yes. It's so good. I'm hooked. That's right? what they were teaching us in writing right? class. Mm-hmm. Like, get them hooked. Strazi would be so impressed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this article goes on to talk about, it actually talks about a book that Jen's going to talk about a little later called uh, Paul Gauguin, An Erotic Life, written by Nancy Mole Matthews. Um, which is a fairly, I don't know what year it came out, but a fairly recent. I believe it was in 2002, no, 2001. Okay. Um, so somewhat recent biography of Gauguin. And this article dives into some of the biographical facts that are just often changed or, or just not addressed. Like we just ignore. Yeah. Like for one. So his wife, uh, I don't know if it's pronounced Matt or Maddie. Maddie? Maddie? Gad? I don't know. It's Dutch, right? (laughs) She was Dutch. Yeah, I have no idea. Danish. Um, But so his wife in a lot of things that have been written on Gauguin has been painted as like a shitty wife, as like mean and shrew. And according to a lot of letters that you can read, like written by his wife, she was not horrible, but actually pretty kind and clever. You know, it just... It kind of covers Gauguin's ass if his wife was, if the wife that he left was a bitch, you know? Furthermore, (sighs) like his wife was victimized by him through the entirety of their marriage. There's a written account by their son, Emil. Emil confesses that he had seen his father beat his mother. No doubt. Uh, um, So domestic abuse, not okay. (sighs) Um, And then this article is basically bringing to light both these things that we about Gauguin's life that we have just kind of ignored and then also the fact that a lot of I this ideal situation he created was total fabrication yeah another quote the island and the realities of Gauguin's life there are virtually unrecognizable in his representations carefully calculated to intrigue the French audience said Nancy Mole Matthews author of Paul Gauguin and Neurotic Life so um, basically what happened is he goes to Tahiti the first time and he's there for two years, goes back to France in 1893 and he wants to impress everyone in France. So even though he's like <sighs> all like anti-civilization and ma yeah. ma, he wants to go back to France of and course. be like, because he's a narcissist. <laughs> yeah. 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 Here's what people yeah. think about him. He wants to go back to France and be like, look at all this amazing artwork I made oh. in my mm-hmm. Tahitian paradise. And 
like kind of some solace it doesn't really work like not a lot of people give a shit they're yeah. just like whatever bro um and yeah you weirdo yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and he writes noah noah as i said which is his account of what happened so once again very fantasy romanticization and then in 1895, after two years of <laughs> it just like not working, people not really digging these Tahitian paintings, he goes back to Tahiti. I must return. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he goes back to Tahiti. Um, let's see. He refers. Oh God. He refers to his Tahitian hut as La Maison du Jurier, which means the house of orgasm. Oh, he is. So gross. That is so so gross, gross. dude. That is so gross. That sounds like what some creepy college bro calls his, like, you know, shitty, like, like, house with, like, probably, yeah. You are most likely a selfish lover (laughs) and never give anyone else an orgasm. It really does were sound you, were you like... Were you talking about someone in particular? That seemed <laughs> very pointed. Jenny got, like, upset. <laughs> Her face was upset. <laughs> Whoa. Um, but yeah, exactly. It's so, <laughs> it's so frat boy gross. Ew. Like, uh, that makes me just feel, like, slimy. Like, yeah, I just... Right? Uh, and then And then the fact that he was sleeping with a lot of teenage girls young Mm -hmm. teenage girls yeah and we need to like address this now gogan certainly had syphilis oh yeah oh yeah yeah. certainly (laughs) certainly had syphilis there was um, was quite advanced by that point i'm pretty sure yeah according to the art historian that we just uh talked about um mole matthews uh she suggests in her book that yes Gauguin returned to Paris in 1893 to um, not only uh, exhibit some of his paintings, try to sell some of his paintings, but he had also largely run out of money. Um, So he needed, he actually had to depend on a grant for a free passage back home. And he was having some serious health problems at the time, um, heart problems that Matthews suggests may have been the early signs of cardiovascular syphilis. So not only is he out there living in the house of orgasms, but he's giving like young girls so syphilis. Upsetting. Yeah. So he gave upsetting. he gave a lot of women so syphilis. Just, you know, chew on that. Yeah. Oh god damn it. Um as I mentioned, he writ he wrote Noah Noah. Uh, which was published in 1901, which totally romanticizes his experience, was probably written to help sell paintings. Um, And I have this quote from it, which is really interesting because this is something that I I feel like, I mean, if I was back in grad school, this would make such a killer thesis topic. Paul Gauguin was often considered a feminist. Oh, Jesus. Because he painted women? No, no. There's reason behind it. (laughs) Um, There's reason behind it, but it's like, I see why. And I'll read this quote. And, and you'll kind of see what where this comes from. But he just obviously got feminism so, so, so wrong. Like, um, So this quote is from his book. Thanks to our cinctures and corsets, we have succeeded in making an artificial being out of woman. She is an anomaly in nature herself, obedient to the laws of heredity, aids us in complicating and enervating her. We carefully keep her in a state of nervous weakness and muscular inferiority. And in guarding her from fatigue, we take away from her possibilities of development. 
thus modeled on a bizarre ideal of slenderness to which, strangely enough, we continue to adhere. Our women have nothing in common with us, and this perhaps may not be without grave moral and social disadvantages. So he's talking about women in mm. in contemporary civilized society. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, that is, a, that yeah. is a feminist stance. Like, yeah. that yeah. little bit is. But it's like, how can you... <laughs> get it, it so, so wrong right yeah. <laughs> like maybe that cancels out one percent of his yeah. shitty things yeah. he's done yeah. to women you know what's like, not a feminist stance is marrying a 13 year old <laughs> who apparently he met her and married her in the same afternoon known as teha amana that was her name um who was pregnant by him by the end of the same summer 13 years old yeah, so he's gross Ugh. and like, and I that's mean, just like condescending. Like, I'm exactly, so, I'm so enlightened Ugh. and I'm an enlightened like feminist. And no, the, yeah, that's like every guy that you meet that says he's a feminist <laughs> and tries to use it as a way to get into your pants. Like, right. like no, we've bro. seen I'm it. So glad I've not come across one of those men. Oh, I've come across a lot of those men, and it's. Gross. Or like Harvey Weinstein being like, I'm with her. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Marching in the women's march. It's like, no, you're a piece of shit. Right. You are not a feminist. Uh, so. Nope. God. Not enough. <laughs> Definitely not enough. <sighs> um, but yeah, but at that time, that's a fairly radical stance, you know, to yeah. have. Mm, yeah. So he returned to Tahiti. This is another quote from that article. He returned expecting the erotic idol that was only ever a figment of his imagination. <laughs> of course, he didn't find it, and the disappointment was profound. He died a twisted and bitter man, having alienated everyone both at home and in T Tahiti. Damn. It's a sad story of a man who believed his own fiction. <laughs> Twisted. <laughs> he was a twisted <laughs> man. Fantastic. Oh, I love that. Uh, Fantastic. Um, so that article's dope. Um, yeah. It's it's super short. It'll be up on our sources, but hats off to you, Amelia Amelia Hill. Your I, words were strong, Amelia. Yeah. yeah, definitely enjoy that take. Now, for something different. Um, one of the other mm. articles that popped up right away was also from The Guardian. And it was called Paul Gauguin, Guilty as Charged, oh, yeah. by Adrian Searle. Now, I am making assumptions about gender identification. I don't know for a fact <laughs> that Adrian is a male and that Amelia is a female. So I'm putting that out there. Okay. But I have a feeling. <laughs> what is this person's name? Adrian what now? Adrian Searle. Adrian's. Oh, I think it's a it's a dude. It's a dude. Oh, right. here we go. It's there a dude. It is. Okay. Now we know. Now we know. All right. So now oh. let it rip. All right. Um. <laughs> so this one opens. Colonialist, chauvinist, exploiter. Hmm. Gauguin may have been all these things and more, but as the Tate's brilliant new show reveals, his faults are what make him great. Oh no. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, are you kidding His me? His faults? Oh, no. Like, they're just <laughs> faults, you know? <laughs> like, he was a flawed man. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> he liked <laughs> teenage girls. <laughs> it was a flaw. <laughs> Colonialist, Gosh. chauvinist, exploiter, like, faults? Like, are you kidding me? Oh, man. I was just, like, so... <laughs> 
just straight out the gate i was uh, like oh this is ridiculous and even just the title <laughs> paul gogan guilty as charged oh lord like that's just a gross title make it- <gasps> oh, yeah yeah yeah. You. yeah it's gross i i'm i, I hope you hear this adrian because it's gross yeah adrian you messed up <laughs> i don't know what you're thinking bro <laughs> Like most of the stuff was him bringing to light these bad things about Gauguin, but it was ultimately just praising Gauguin's work. Mm -hmm. And it was like, so you're saying this, this and this, but his work is still great. And it's kind of great because he was terrible. And I, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it was not done in a way that actually picked apart what all these bad behaviors like meant, like, you can't separate the man from his work. Like yeah. they are interrelated, you know? And it just kind of was like, yeah, I'm going to be honest. Like Gauguin did all these things, but how about, uh, that sermon painting, you know? <laughs> like, Stop. Um, and then another article, uh, at, for the telegraph called, is it wrong to admire Paul Gauguin's art by Alastair smart? Hmm. Um, here's a quote from it. <laughs> the trouble with aesthetes is it aesthetes 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 yeah aesthetes 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 I think that's right I think that's the one let's go with aesthetes <laughs> I feel good about that oh my god I love, I love that word on paper I think it's spelled really pretty but <laughs> yeah. I, it's hard to pronounce oh, aesthetes yeah I don't know um, the trouble with aesthetes <laughs> Twelve years old, apparently. Oh my god! Okay, serious. The trouble we athletes have, though, is that in Gauguin's case, just like Van Gogh's, his life was so dramatic it's hard not to read the biography onto the art. Indeed, much of the power of his most famous works, the Polynesian Babe paintings, (laughs) (laughs) what derives from our uncomfortable knowledge of the content context they were created in. Although rendered innocent and unerotic, these brown-skinned nudes were more than just Gauguin's models. They were his sex slaves, too. Whoa. And, like, first off, who who deemed these paintings innocent and unerotic? This, I, who, I don't think you can escape the eroticism. I don't that. think yeah. you can either. Who thought these were innocent? That whole quote just was dripping. <laughs> A damned fool. <laughs> <laughs> That whole quote was just dripping of like salacious, like ooh, ha, ha, ha ooh, like it, I just that a get man this. Name Alistair said, "Babes is weird." Yeah, to me. Mm-hmm. yeah, like come yeah, on, exactly. And once again, uh, these Polynesian babes were like thirteen and fourteen years yeah, old. Yeah, they were babe. babes in the sense that they, <laughs> they were, were children. Yeah. <laughs> This is uh, this brings me to I think like the biggest question, and we we kind of opened the episode with it a little bit. Is it wrong to admire Paul Gauguin's art? I personally certainly think it's wrong to ad- admire the quote unquote Polynesian babe paintings. Mm. I like have some serious problems with those. <sighs> there are some of his work that I can kind of separate a little bit, but like the context of those paintings is so important. It is what they well, are, you know? Like, let's let's uh, just play a little game here and think <laughs> about what would happen if those were 13-year-old white girls. 
Right? Whoop. Dang. Natalie right? just came in with the bombshell. It's like, true. No yeah, one would want to hang true. that in a museum and no. look at it. They would consider it repulsive. Exactly. Like, it is such an example of colonialism and just objectifying these women. Yeah. yeah. Eroticizing, like, objectifying the so-called primitive yeah. brown woman, this sort of uh, untainted the sense that they are living in like a, a land before time you know yeah well and it's also just i mean the sexualization of the black woman mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. like historically yeah especially in this time frame like black women were thought to be inherently sexual while mm-hmm. white women were supposed to be pure you know yeah. it's so gross but like that's why these paintings are okay yeah you yeah know? so a lot of this idea of can we admire Gauguin? There's some argument that, well, he took such great care to delineate the Polynesian features of these women and and that that somehow it gives him some level of uh, credibility or respectability for accurately portraying these women. But at the same time, they're not women. They're girls yeah you know so i mean i have trouble because i actually kind of like this painting from 1891 a woman with a flower Mm -hmm. it's quite beautiful the woman is wearing what look like western a western type of dress um holding a flower kind of interesting because the background is composed largely of yellow and red supposedly Gauguin hated yellow so hmm, interesting and <laughs> Van Gogh hated red and the two are together so I, I just want to point that out uh, just because but this is so it's like a, a tiny little speck of like okay sure he portrayed them accurately and then what <laughs> yeah no this painting like she's not sexualized well, like right like it's it's a, someone sitting for a portrait, which is right. not as problematic. I mean, it's still problematic Surely. for like all the colonial reasons, yeah. you know? As we watch the suburban garden gnome carefully, carefully without disturbing it, we notice that it moves like not at all. It's inanimate and utterly without brain function. But despite that, when a garden gnome hears about how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, it's clear to them you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. But on second thoughts, maybe don't watch garden gnomes too carefully. People might talk. And then take, for instance, Spirit of the Dead watching from 1892. It is so gross to look at. I really hate this painting. Some have compared her to the Tahitian Olympia. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. This painting. This it painting. makes me feel gross. It's the worst. Um, I don't understand how someone can look oh. at this painting and know that this is his 13-year-old lover and she's on a bed, nude, and mm. you're seeing her from behind and she's kind of looking back and he paints this sort of coy expression on her face and I doubt, I doubt exactly. And so these paintings are gross. Yeah, it, like this painting, this one I w- was shown 
to me in undergrad, which Same. sparked my hatred for this man because mm-hmm. I had a bad ass professor. Mm-hmm. She was just like not having any of this bullshit. <laughs> and it's one of those things that these paintings like, yeah, this one is super just unsettling. The longer I look at it, it's the grosser i feel i can't look at it yeah yeah and and a lot of those paintings that involve these tahitian women nude tahitian girls nude for you know i'd seen them before but i never stopped to really think about what they meant you know when i was younger like Mm -hmm. when i was in high school and stuff i never stopped to really think about what was going on in these paintings or you know who painted them and so this undergrad class was the first time I actually like, took the time to stop and look and, and realize how fucked up it was. Um, and a little exercise that our professor pulled out, which I think is brilliant. We were talking about Gauguin and she pulled up a picture of, which I have one here of a tote bag that is sold yep. with a Gauguin painting on it. And it's, it's a painting of nude Tahitian women. Mm-hmm. And this one is uh, Gauguin's Day of the God tote that is sold at the Chicago Art Institute Museum store. Um, and I love the Chicago Art Institute. Yeah. It's a great museum. And it's a tote bag. And like, what the fuck does it mean to be carrying this image around on your shoulder? Uh, yeah. Like, think about that. It, it's a it's an image of a white man's privilege and exploitation and yep. and you're just like carrying around your Kindle in it, you know? Yeah, that it's perverse. Yeah, I mean that's the up. only word it's for it. It's a It's a perverse action that it's like a double objectification, mm-hmm. you know? It's like well, we added capitalism into the mix, <laughs> right? So we yep. did. Of course, like, of course we did. This. Is probably like a $45 tote bag. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just imagine like a 50 year old woman named Karen <laughs> yeah. with this bag, you know, and she's got some like, like oh my sassy tri- colored reading glasses yeah. and she just thinks it's all that. Karen, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like, yeah, my trip to Chicago was yeah. wonderful. Like, we had such a nice time. Uh, <laughs> God damn it, Karen. <laughs> it's something. Yeah, it is something. And um, that is where we get really murky with Gauguin because it, it shouldn't be murky. It should never be murky. It should just be gross. But there are a lot of art historians that really that argue, him. really, really argue that Gauguin is this amazing painter and that he contributed so much and that he ushered in like symbolism and fauvism and all these things and that he was so revolutionary. And I really don't see it yeah no like you know? i mean like some some of his paintings are fine um but I, I guess i don't think he did anything that revolutionary that other people weren't doing no. yeah. like i would take van gogh any day mm-hmm. any day yeah. and then you add in all this other bullshit and then you add in the not only the man, but the images themselves and what they are of. And it's like, what, like, what What is there to argue? Yeah. What are you admiring so much? And why are you so bent on not like letting go? That's the thing. There's, there are multiple art historians that they Mm, will, they will not Mm -hmm. let go of Gauguin. And I don't get it. I don't get it. On that note, I want to talk a little bit about Nancy Mal Matthews book, Paul Gauguin, An Erotic Life. Uh, we touched a little bit about it earlier. I feel that Matthews is completely wildin'. 
<laughs> when they ask her in an interview with Salon, they're asking her essentially, how do you reconcile the these uh, heinous sexual acts that Gauguin most certainly engaged in? They say the the interviewer asks doesn't really ask her. He just says, "You don't make a lot of moral judgment on Gauguin in your book." Her response: This is what I would say about pedophilia or abuses in his sexual relationships. <sighs> I think in practice it is abominable and should never be perpetuated against unwilling or too innocent people, children, or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> oh, okay. I think what I admire Gauguin for. I think I can say this is when he put these odd and unpredictable twists of sexuality into his art that actually ended up enhancing it. So even people who would say, absolutely not, we can't have the sexualization of children or we can't have any glorification of violence within a marriage or a sexual relationship. The way Gauguin used those themes in his art ended up being quite compelling. What are you talking about? Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, is. it is. It's like going back to the Woody Allen thing, like the fact that he made movies about like old creepy dudes, like being in love with people they shouldn't be in love with, and then he married his daughter because yep. he's gross. Yeah. Like, oh my then, god! And then people are like, "It's okay because his art's so good." It's like, no, it's no. not. <laughs> and Matthews, I'm sure, is an art historian of caliber, but I think she lost her damn mind. <laughs> <laughs> The interviewer goes on to ask her um, of an example of sexual violence in his work, and she points out a series of eaves that he did in the late 1880s. So this is in his um, Breton time uh, where he's uh, in Brittany uh, admiring these kind of like untouched peasant women that they're, Mm -hmm. you know, they're so just rural and and simple (laughs) and he paints a series of of eaves and he calls them that and um one of the eaves from 1889 is shown covering her ears and her mouth is open as if she is crying out and behind her is the the snake and this is a very different sort of eve with the snake yeah when we see eve with the snake in traditional biblical paintings she's very like oh and seems to be very enchanted by the snake in this painting the snake is preying on her it's a predatory painting it's kind of creepy she doesn't want to listen to the snake she's looks distressed them she also brings in another example paul gauguin did a number of wood sculptures and carvings there's a quite famous one the title is commonly translated to be in love and you will be happy but matthews claims it actually says be a lover and um, it therefore gives it a very forceful and perverse kind of undertone. Um, the woodcut itself is just bizarre. It's hard to tell what's really going on here, but there's a a woman on the left side of the panel is shown being grasped by her arm by a, a man who is supposed to be um, Gauguin himself, actually. And uh, we see another Eve with her hands over her ears, there's this wolf 
or dog. I can't tell what it is. Um, <laughs> it's a very bizarre. It's a very bizarre carving. Um, I don't get this like happy sense. Like oh, be in love and you will be happy, happy about this. There's literally it. It is menacing. It is terrifying. What is this face with the thumb? Yeah, and, like <laughs> the thumb is like in the mouth. mouth yeah, it's and like it just. Band. Probably. Just being a weirdo. It's very strange, and I hate it. Um, <laughs> it is very strange. So she discusses Gauguin's favorite themes, or um, one of his favorite themes is this idea of a young woman being introduced to sexuality. Going back to 1891. Of course it right. is. Right. Yeah. Going oh. back to the painting, The Loss of Virginity, mm-hmm. um, in parentheses, The Awakening of Spring. So we discussed this. There's a naked woman. She's in a field. There's this fox on her shoulder that she is holding. There is a crushed flower Mm -hmm. in her right hand. This kind of symbolism of deflowerment. There's nothing beautiful about this. Um, the this whole notion that this introduction to sexuality it, it really has this connotation that she becomes isolated. Um, because of this introduction in the background very far away there seems to be a group of people and she's in the foreground completely nude in just a field like by herself I don't know what happened here it's just creepy yeah it doesn't look like the type of sitting setting you'd want to I don't know have sex for the first time no, in, yeah just like people on a path in the distance yeah, yeah. It's, so yeah. it's very strange and to go on the the salon the interviewer from salon just comes straight out and asks don't you think it's a contradiction to appreciate Gauguin's perverse message in his art but reject it in his life mm. Matthews responds it seems like there should be a contradiction but I feel comfortable with it I feel it's okay to interject unpredictable ideas into a work of art as long as you're not perpetuating those acts against living human beings. Is that what you're thinking is a contradiction? When I think of Gauguin's work, I think of the very offensive idea that seems to be a part of them. Take Spirit of the Dead watching. That is the most thorny of all his paintings. It's kind of like the loss of virginity. It seems to be a continuation of that theme young girl very androgynous looking virtually the same body type thick ankles short legs but nevertheless youthful and attractive in this case there's fear in the painting more like the eve where the fact of her nudity and suggestion of sexuality makes her afraid she's looking out at whoever is observing her with fear good job at not answering the, the question, question at yeah. all yeah that is exactly what i was thinking i was like okay she but should, she could be a politician with that shit right, right? that was some trump voodoo right yeah. there <laughs> um so this is so disappointing to me this n- idea of a female art historian going through the trouble of writing a whole book on this guy and just defending him yeah and not- especially because she's doing it from a perspective that i think she is bringing to light stuff that needs to be brought to light because this is the same book that brings up how he how he beat his wife and stuff so right she's bringing and and she also talks a lot about how how this was a romanticized ideal you know that he had created and and so she's like digging deep into the reality of the situation but still won't take it there like she won't take a stance on it because people just like aren't willing to hold 
white male artists accountable like it's just like oh but the art's separate and yeah it's, that's not it like and especially in this case because it's not separate it's right? depicting the problematic exactly. things like exactly you know i'm just very bothered with this idea that because Gauguin had this reprehensible tendency to have sex with 13 year olds that that somehow uh, contributes a sort of compellingness uh, to his work. That's who, who says that? Yeah, right. Like if if a known pedophile started painting paintings like that today, like but they were just really beautiful, like they were just like the technique was really interesting. Would that be okay? Like God, no, no. Well, like, that would no. not be okay. Mm. And that's what this is just so crazy to me, and I just can't understand it, and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to respond to our art historians who not only either choose to ignore it completely which is usually the case or kind of talk about it but they're like "Eh, well you know he did that but like in this case knowing a hundred percent what he was doing writing it in a book and (laughs) then saying that it enhances the art yeah that is crazy talk yeah she lost her damn mind and once again we're not talking about him just kind of being like a shitty dude like we're talking about the victimization of young girls it almost feels like she said it and then it's like you just can't really go back from saying that so she just has to lean in exactly you can't you can't act like that's okay yeah she had to at some point realize this is not okay no i mean and she did you know but she she just maybe feels like she can't i (laughs) no, i mean she does um sort of end this interview with a little bit a sort of like well no i mean he was a really bad guy (laughs) um the the quote here um she says this man was the worst bully the most ungrateful husband it was the unrelenting criticism of his wife that began to turn my stomach. This is a man you never want to be involved with. He could really do some damage to you. Oh, <laughs> so you read the letters to his wife and that's what turned your stomach. Right. It's just, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, that is a thing. Like, yeah, let's, let's talk about his wife. Cause she was probably a way better person than Which you. Which one? But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, oh. but yeah, exactly. Like, but that, I mean, that's a super important point, too, like that she's ready to defend Gauguin's European, European wife. wife. But <laughs> jinx. <laughs> you owe me a soda. Feminist jinx. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yet she she will stand back and allow uh, pedophilia yeah. of young colored mm-hmm. girls. That's that's fine. I, I want an explanation and I want you to answer that question. That yeah, you were sure, asked in this interview. That interviewer, that inter- whoever interviewed her was yeah. like, yeah, getting yeah. It the good content. I guess yeah, so, like but you know what? Answers. Whoever it was, whoever it was, did not push, and I would have pushed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pushing. Maybe you should write her a letter. Like I might yeah. write her a letter. Try to get a hold of her. Start, have it out in person. Start some art history beef. Oh yeah, let's you know do it. I love beef. <laughs> oh man, we could we could totally do a like live debate. Oh my god, that oh, would be dope. I'm really down for that. That idea. would actually be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm heated right now. <laughs> 
I'm upset. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm always upset when when ta- thinking about this guy. Like he, yeah. it, it, and it's been a gr- like I said, it's been a gradual thing. Like over the more and more I learn, the more and more mm-hmm. the fire in my belly grows. You yeah. know, truly. Um, and like y- there was definitely a time in my life where I was like, oh yeah, go gam. Like yeah, this stuff's all right. Oh, you know, man. like I didn't really think anything of it, and now uh, it's just like you know fire of a yeah. thousand suns the yeah. first gogan painting i ever saw was yellow christ <laughs> and i really hated that painting <laughs> just from the get-go i was like why does he have crab claws like what is <laughs> going on here yellow christ <sighs> jesus christ you know like yeah. i just didn't know what to just think what about it and that yeah. was really my introduction to gogan um was why is everyone make such a big deal out of this guy? I mean, uh, yeah. Someone explain it to me because I don't get it. And I plan to read this book actually. I will be reading Paul Gauguin <laughs> and Erotic Life because when yeah, I do I have read it too. when I do have my debate with Nancy <laughs> Mal Matthews, I want to come prepared with a lot of the material. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to read your book, Nancy, and uh, <laughs> then we're going to talk. Because I'm really having problems. Are you going to talk or are you going to have it out in an alleyway? Because like <laughs> it depends on how the talk goes. <laughs> so oh, you guys man. will have an intellectual battle. I'm yeah. good at those. You are. You, you know, are. I'm I'm fine with that. You got that. You got the the passion. Like, mm-hmm. do you want to bring up this last upsetting oh. little fun fact? Oh God. <laughs> yeah. So um, research is fun and takes you all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And um, while I was doing my research, I happened to come across this just totally outrageous website. You guys can't see this, but um, we're looking at it right now. Oh, my God. Here's the website (laughs) that advertises (laughs) Paul Gauguin cruises. You can take a Paul Gauguin cruise on the Gauguin and you go to Tahiti. So you... You on the Gauguin, you can um, you'll have all these complimentary amenities, <laughs> a gathering <laughs> featuring a Polynesian blessing ceremony performed by Le Gauguins, uh, our onboard troupe of hostess slash entertainers. I don't oh. like that. I don't like that uh-uh. at all. Um, uh-uh. No, you will get an exclusive pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Does it fucking say Gauguin on it? <laughs> I don't know. Probably. Uh, it's just it. like, it's it's his self-portrait. Like, lie the, with me tonight. Um, no, it's the uh, picture of him kissing that woman on the face when she, oh she so clearly doesn't my want it. God, We'll post that picture. So this entire, yeah. this entire thing here is, it's a, it's a honeymoon cruise. It's a wedding cruise. You can actually get uh, married. A Polynesian wedding ceremony. Um, so that's what they're Please selling do you guys. on here. Don't do they do let it. you marry children? I, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not we touching should, that. We should get on it and burn that motherfucker down. Yeah. <laughs> or just go and just be super critical. Yeah. Just be like, we're already this bullshit. A strongly <laughs> worded letter. Before Excuse me. <laughs> you know not what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the picture, like the the photo on the website is just in and of itself, just annoying. It's yeah. this older white couple with the flower wreath on their head. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, oh, like what? They are the world's whitest couple. They're too. Su- yeah, mm-hmm. and then surrounded by like these Polynesian women. This girl is like, it ain't gonna last. <laughs> um, She's probably hexing them. Yeah, 
what the spirit the spirit of the dead are watching <laughs> god i could not believe this when i found I'm this i'm glad you looked into that because i had briefly seen in my research like gogan cruise and i just didn't look at it further like i know there's also a gogan wine oh yeah oh there gross. is yeah it's not they, good but, but they yeah. s- they spelled it different they don't spell gogan r- uh, correctly I saw. Are they trying to be Gogan? Yeah, because there's a painting. There's oh. the, the painting. I saw like, that. Don't use his name for any branding. Just do yourself a favor. If you're trying right. to come up with a name for a new thing, don't fucking use Gogan. Yeah, why? There's yeah. so many artists' names you could maybe choose from. Can we that. briefly? Um, you guys brought it up, but briefly talk about this picture of him <laughs> kissing a t- Tahitian woman. Oh, now, look where yeah. his hand is on oh, the other chick. Oh my god! And it's look so at her gross. face. This is photo evidence, man. Like yeah. photo evidence of this yep. man. I hate. Oh my god. Yeah. Her face. Isn't that gross? She's Aww. like, please get him off She's of me, please. So over it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What is this photo? What's the context here? Is he? Um, it's from a hyperallergic article where they have uh, archival photos of his time in Tahiti. Okay. Um, it's linked in our sources, and there there are some other photos in there too. I have seen some photos of him with various of his Tahitian wives mm-hmm. slash girlfriends. They all look very uncomfortable all the time. We'll link in our sources the amazing comic that hyperallergic posted the yes. syphilitic life of <laughs> Paul Cogan. It's so good. It's so good. Just a nice breakdown of his stupid life. <laughs> <laughs> stupid life. Oh man. Good lord. He just looks like a predator in every one of these photos. He just Because oh. he is a predator. And I he, know. He looks like just what he is. Like God. Okay. Fuck Gogan. Mm-hmm. Fuck Gogan, dude. Fuck Gogan. Um should we do a listener mail? Yeah. Sure. All right. This one starts, hola, babes. I just want to say the art history babes make my day go so fast. I'm a jewelry designer based in Brooklyn and days in the studio are long. I have a bachelor's degree in fine arts and I've been meaning to expand my art history knowledge for a long time. I'm so glad I found your podcast. Could you send me an address? I want to send you a thank you gift. P.S. I recently listened to your Paint It Black episode and thought you might be interested in this article about Anish Kapoor's bizarre art feud. And this is from Ale. 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 Thank you. That well, is we'll so send kind. You our address. Uh, certainly. Yeah. But did you guys read about this at all? About the Anish Kapoor? I did not. Because he was the one, the one who like bought Vanta Black. He bought the rights to <gasps> oh, Vanta Black. Right. Yeah. Cool. Right. So like, there's been this this whole pushback of like people trying to like i think it was the pinkest pink maybe it was uh they created i'm pretty sure it was the pinkest pink Mm -hmm. um that was created and then it is available to everyone but anish kapoor nice (laughs) that's really funny that's really funny yeah um yeah like what a like douchey thing big baby like okay you're just gonna buy it and then no one else can use it yeah i didn't realize he was hoarding it after he bought it oh yeah it was just for him he's so he's the designer of uh cloud gate in chicago the bean Mm. yeah and his whole thing he wanted to paint the bean black which i think he did do actually really I, i haven't seen the black bean I know he was at least talking about it. I don't know if he did it. Uh, and I love Cloudgate. Like it's it's cool, but yeah, he he bought exclusively the rights, and so it's it's turned into this whole like art world trying to keep colors from Anish Kapoor. Hold up, did he paint the bean black? Did you find it? I think I did. I I don't know. Is this real? What? That uh, that looks sick. That is so black. That looks sick. That looks really cool. Well, 
I'm glad he painted the bean black, but <laughs> I want him to Ooh. stop being a stingy bastard and right. let other soft. people use it. Did yeah. he need all the Vanta black for the bean? Like, was <laughs> that's it. That's yeah, he just used all of it. He's like, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to paint my bean black. <laughs> <laughs> just let me paint my bean. <laughs> Apparently he did this in uh, 2016. Dope. Um, anyway. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your wonderful letter and we'll definitely send you our information we love getting gifts from listeners we, we really do we really, really do i love it if you have thoughts on anything from this episode or if you just want to like rant about gogan you can send that our Please. way we'd love to read it you can email us at arthistorybabes at gmail.com you can find us on every form of social media that is out there. We're on everything. You can also head over to our Patreon for extra episodes. Donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash arthistorybabes. Help keep the, the art history babes moving and shaking. Grooving. Doing it. Mm-hmm. Doing it. We appreciate you all so much. Thank you for listening to this very special episode. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. It was cathartic. It was cathartic. I feel good. So I feel like I can just wipe my hands of this man Mm -hmm. and walk Mm -hmm. away Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Bye-bye, Gogan. Bye-bye. Bye. From It happened. <laughs> hey, figure it out. I said, hey, yeah, 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 hey, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, what's going on? That was beautiful. The Art History Babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes to help keep the Art History Babes going and for access to bonus content. Geico presents, uh, not again, another voicemail from your roommate. Hey man, so I was in a rush to get to work and I left the back door open. Could you shut it? I left it wide open. Uh, while you're there, could you also turn off the oven and all of the burners? <laughs> My mom never let me use the oven. I wonder why. <laughs> The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if it's your roommate's first time operating an oven. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.